Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome again to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. I'm blessed to be part of a big family. There are, I have a brother and three sisters, so there are five of us children in the Hedgepath family. And uh, now we all have children, and many of my nieces and nephews now are having children too. I'm not blessed to be a grandparent yet, but I hope that that's going to happen soon. But uh, whenever our family gets together now, we have a huge group of people. And uh, this, I don't know if your family is this way or not, but in our family, when we get together, one of the things that always happens is that we have a big meal. Uh, at the family meal, we remember, we tell the stories and, uh, and share with one another around a meal. And as Christians, we too have a family meal. And today we're going to talk about that meal, uh, the, the meal of the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, as some people call it. And and we're going to see what the scripture has to say about it. We're going to look back at, at, at uh, the origins of this meal and hopefully learn something not only to learn for you so that you can have better information, but, uh, but also so that when you go and you participate in the Lord's Supper, you can really experience the full blessing of it. And before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you so much for all the blessings that you've given us in this life. Lord, thank you for the way that you reveal yourself to us in so many ways. And especially thank you today for the way that you reveal yourself to us through this meal. Uh, Lord, draw us closer to you as we study your word and help us to see and learn the true benefits of receiving you in Holy Communion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, to start with, there are really three primary ways that the Lord gives His grace to us. So we might call these three means of grace that the Lord blesses us. And, uh, and I say primary because I don't want to limit the Lord and say these are the only three ways that He can do it because He's God. But, uh, but the three primary ways are, first of all, uh, through His Word, His Word of grace. And through His Word, He comes to us and he teaches us, and he blesses us, and he draws us near to himself. And so, through his word, faith comes. We, we learn uh, that faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of God. That's in Hebrews chapter 11. And so, faith comes through hearing the word. So, God's, uh, through his word, his grace comes to us and stirs up faith in our hearts so that we might even believe in him. God loves us so much that he'll even give us the faith to believe in him if we'll ask him. Uh, and so faith comes through the word and grace comes through the word. So that's, that's the first way. And then also faith comes through, uh, I'm sorry, grace comes through really two other primary ways. First of all, it comes through baptism. And, and second of all, it comes through the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. 
And so these three primary ways, the Word of God, first of all, but these other two, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, are known in the church as sacraments. And a sacrament is, is simply a special gift from God uh, and through which He gives us His grace. And sacraments generally in the church are, are, uh, are made up of three elements. And, uh, and a sacrament, first of all, has to be instituted by Christ. That just means that Christ started it. And so in, uh, in baptism, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go into all the world baptizing. So Jesus says to do it. That's part of what makes it a, 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 a sacrament. In Holy Communion, he says, do this for the remembrance of me. So a sacrament has to be started by Jesus. It has to have earthly elements in it. So uh, in baptism, we have the water. And uh, Jesus said, go and baptize. So we have Jesus' institution of it, and then we have the water. The same thing in Holy Communion. We have, uh, in Holy Communion, the earthly elements are the bread and the wine that make up the Lord's Supper. And so last of all, uh, the, third, the third part of a sacrament is uh, that it must contain a promise. And the promise in baptism is that uh, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And so baptism and faith go together and bring the promise of salvation. And then in the Lord's Supper, the promise is the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus said, this is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so a sacrament has three parts. And generally speaking, uh, in most Protestant denominations, there are two sacraments, and those are baptism and Holy Communion. Uh, now, in some of the other churches, uh, they have more than two sacraments. They include marriage and, and confirmation and some of those other uh, uh, rites of the church and call them sacraments. But in most mainline Protestant denominations, there are two, uh, baptism and Holy Communion. And so uh, let's go on and look at Holy Communion a little bit more and see what the Scripture has to say about it. And we'll look, first of all, at Jesus' words. In Matthew chapter 26, it will be reading in verses 26 through 28. So Matthew 26, starting in verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So that's what Jesus has to say about it. And the, the setting here uh, for Jesus' words was uh, the upper room where Jesus met with his, his disciples on Passover evening to share the Passover meal. Now this was to be not only Jesus's last Passover, but Jesus's last meal with his disciples. And, uh, and so that's why we call it also the Last Supper sometimes. And I know most of you have seen that, that uh, painting by Leonardo da Vinci, that beautiful painting of the Lord's Supper, uh, and, or the Last Supper. And uh, the, the occasion there was the Passover meal. And at the Passover meal, uh, this is 
The original Passover meal was when they gathered together and slayed a lamb, and they had eaten the meat of the lamb, and they had taken the blood of the lamb and poured it out and put it over the doorpost and the lintel of their house. And the, the, actually, the doorposts are on either side of the door, and the lintel is that piece of wood over the top of the door. And, uh, and when they did that, uh, they were in Egypt at the time, and the, the promise that came to them was that if you'll do uh, what the Lord says and take the blood of the lamb that it was slain and put the blood over the doorpost and the lintel, then what would happen is that when the angel of death came over, uh, it would pass over whatever house uh, had the blood on the door. And so uh, after the first Passover, the Lord told the people that they were to, to have this meal every year as a commemoration of that first Passover. Now, that was the first Passover meal. Now, Jesus says this, uh, in, in this celebration of the, last, of, of the first Passover, in the middle of that meal, Jesus says, this is my body. It's, and he, he's saying of the bread. And so uh, he's saying that the body of the true Passover lamb of God is Jesus. And, uh, and that he's giving this bread uh, to be his body for us. And then in, in the second part is that he says, this is my blood. And so instead of talking about the blood of the lamb at Passover and the body of the lamb at the first Passover, he's saying now he is to be the new Passover lamb for us who will pour out his blood and give his body for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, uh, and in the Passover meal, what Jesus does is, is a beautiful thing that we all continue to celebrate uh, from that very first Passover, our first Lord's Supper that Jesus celebrated with his disciples all the way through the history 2,000 years until now. And uh, the meal, I know, looks very familiar to you all. And I have bread in the cup here. And Jesus, first of all, he took the bread. And we're not really sure what kind of bread it was. It was probably unleavened bread because uh, uh, it was the Passover meal and they were supposed to have unleavened bread. This is leavened bread, but uh, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. He blessed it. And we don't really know what the prayer was that Jesus said, but he probably thanked God for the, for the giving of the wheat which, through which uh, the bread was made. And uh, and ask blessing over it for nourishment for our bodies and for his body and the disciples, just like we give thanks over a meal today. So he took the bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it. And the breaking of the bread, uh, it's, it's, it sounds like it's kind of become a religious thing these days, but it was really a really practical thing. They broke the bread so that they could distribute it out to the disciples in pieces. And so he broke the bread and, uh, and he, uh, after he blessed it, and he, he gave, gave it to the disciples piece by piece. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And, uh, and so the bread then, he's saying, is uh, uh, he comes through the bread and it, as a remembrance to us and, uh, uh, of his body, which is given for us. Just as the bread is given, his body is given for us. And then after that, he took the cup. 
he took the cup and again he gave thanks and the cup had wine in it and the wine for the meal and he took the cup and he he held it up to the Lord and gave thanks for the wine the fruit of the vine which God gave for us and uh, and then after he gave thanks he drank of it and he gave it to all of them saying uh, drink of it all of you this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, do this in remembrance of me. And so uh, the cup then became the blood of Christ in the supper. And uh, the body and the blood of Christ then became his gift to us through which we would receive the forgiveness of sins just as he gave his body and blood on the cross for that. And... Uh, and so the conclusion of, of, of this part is really very simple, that, that this sacrament, this, this gift of the Lord's Supper to us, was for, first of all, was for sinners only. So it's given for the forgiveness of your sins. And, um, and some people think that in order to receive the Lord's Supper, that you have to be all cleaned up, that you can't have any sin in order to come to the Lord's Supper. And I would say that that is... Um, uh, that, that couldn't be further from the truth because through faith in Jesus Christ, your position with Jesus is that you are forgiven of your sins. But even though you're forgiven, you continue to sin. And the, the Lord's Supper, as we receive it, Jesus comes through the sacrament to us just like he comes through the word. He comes through the bread and the wine and brings forgiveness into our hearts. And, uh, and so... You don't have to get cleaned up for the meal. Jesus comes through the meal and cleans us up through the forgiveness of our sins. And I especially remember the story of a, of a man that I knew in a church that I used to be the pastor of. And this man was a really fine elderly gentleman. He had cared for his wife for many years. And she had been hurt in an automobile accident and had a brain injury. And so she wasn't able to take care of herself, and he took care of her day after day for many, many years. He would bathe her and dress her and get her up for the day. And uh, he was just a real example of love. And uh, when uh, he couldn't come to church because he had to be home with his wife every day, but we, the pastors of the church, would go out and visit him and, and her. And when she passed away very suddenly, he, uh, uh, he started coming to church, and I noticed as a pastor that whenever we would have communion, he would stay seated back in his pew and wouldn't get up and come forward for the blessing to receive uh, the body and blood of Jesus in the bread and wine. And uh, so one day I went out to see him at his house, and I asked him what the, uh, if there was something he needed to talk about or some reason because I'd noticed he wasn't coming up for the, for the bread and wine. And he said, well, I can't. I can't come because I'm too big of a sinner. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, and I look at you and the way that you love your wife and the way that you love the Lord Jesus, uh, I think that, uh, that you more than any should come and receive uh, the sacraments and receive the forgiveness of sin. And, but even more than that, knowing that you are a sinner, is the reason that you come for forgiveness. And so please come and receive Jesus in the sacraments and receive the forgiveness of your sins.
And uh, when I told him that, the next time we had uh, communion, he was right up front uh, with all the rest of them. And, and you know, uh, knowing that you are a sinner, first of all, and admitting it, is really what qualifies you to come forward to receive the forgiveness. And so don't be afraid that your sins are too big for the forgiveness of God because he wants to use communion also as a means to extend his grace and his forgiveness to you. So uh, come freely and come honestly and, uh, and you'll receive the forgiveness in the bread and the wine. And then the other part that, uh, that we, the other gift that we receive in communion is that we receive strength for, to live the new life that, that we've been given in Christ. And so in baptism, we are born, but then born again. But then from that point forward, we need strength every day to live the journey of faith that we were called to lead. And as we receive this meal, we receive strength for the journey. Uh, Jesus comes and gives us not only that initial forgiveness to set us in a right relationship with him, but he gives us that, that continuous forgiveness and grace that we need in order to live every day in him. And so um, let's get a little bit more. Now we're going to go back in time, back to the very first Passover in Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to see if we can... Uh, 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 uncover here where the tradition of this meal comes from. So turn in your Bibles to the second book of the Bible, which is Exodus. And we're going to look in chapter 12, verse 1. And this is a little long. We're going to read through verse 14. But follow along in your Bibles. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the, be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of the month they shall take every man a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then, the man, then a man and his neighbor next to his house shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs in the evening. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat them. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled with water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, for the Lord's pass it is the Lord's Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you upon the houses where you are. And when you see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall fall upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. 
and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as an ordinance forever. Okay, that's Exodus chapter 12. And so let's see uh, if we can get into it a little bit more and talk about it. First of all, we're going to do a comparison of the old meal to the new meal. And so the, in the old meal, they required a lamb for the Passover that had to be slain. And in the new meal, Jesus is the Passover lamb of God. You remember when John the Baptist uh, saw Jesus coming to where John was baptizing, and John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in the old meal, we had a Passover lamb. In the new meal, we have a lamb too, and that lamb is Jesus, the Son of God. The, lamb was to, the Passover lamb, the first lamb in the old meal, was to be without blemish, and we know that Jesus, the new lamb, is without sin. He came and he lived a full life as a human being, God in the flesh, but yet without sin. So he was without blemish. And he was, uh, the old Passover lamb was to be one year old and, uh, and a male. And we know that Jesus uh, was a male, the only begotten son of God. And then the blood of the, of the original Passover lamb in the old meal was to be taken and spread, as I said earlier, over the doorpost on each side of the post of the door, and then on the lintel, which is the, topper, uh, the topmost part of the door, where uh, part of the wood frame. And when the angel of death came and saw the blood on the door, the angel of death would pass over their house. That's where, our, that's where the term Passover comes from. And now, in the new meal, the blood of our Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, is taken and it's spread also on the post and on the lintel. And if you look at this cross, in this cross, Jesus' blood was, sh was shed on the post of the cross and on the lintel across the top part of the cross. And uh, his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, and to get a little bit more now, we know that uh, the body of the lamb was eaten. And in the new meal, that's in the old Passover meal, in the new Passover meal, uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, Jesus said, Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body, take and eat it. You see, he's the Passover lamb. And now when we receive Jesus as we eat the bread, we receive Jesus in the sacrament. He comes to us in his promise through the bread. And then, uh, and then the same part happened with his blood. So as, as we receive him through the wine, uh, he comes to us and forgives us of our sins. Uh, and the Passover meal, in it, we were free, the children of Israel were freed from death. And in the new Passover meal, the Lord's Supper, we are freed from eternal death. Because our sins are forgiven, uh, we will live with him in, for, in heaven forever. And so both meals, the old meal and the new meal, frees from death. The problem is that the old meal only freed them from death for a little while because they died. In the new meal, which supersedes the old meal, uh, we receive the forgiveness of sins, which is uh, through the forgiveness of sins and faith in Jesus is how we live forever with him. Uh, 
We are freed from, they were freed from slavery through the old meal, uh, from slavery and bondage in Egypt. And now in the new meal, we are freed from slavery to sin because uh, sin no longer is our master because we are forgiven and set free. And Jesus is in us as we receive him and he gives us power over sin. In other words, through Jesus in us as we receive him in the sacrament, he gives us the power to do something else besides sin. So we're freed from slavery to sin. And then we receive strength for the journey. Uh, they received it as they left Egypt and went out into the, uh, on their way to the promised land. Uh, the Passover meal strengthened them for their journey. For us, we have a journey of faith to live. And at, through faith in Jesus, you know, as we talked about before, our problems in this life aren't totally solved. We still come under attack from the devil and from our own flesh and from temptations in the world. But as we receive Jesus in his sacraments, he strengthens us as he comes into us. And he prepares us for the journey that's ahead. That's ahead. Uh, God instructed the children of Israel that uh, to, to eat this meal, the Passover meal, in the old Passover meal, to eat it once a year as a commemoration, a memorial celebration, to remember what God had done for them in freeing them in bondage uh, to Pharaoh. And now Jesus says that the new meal the new, is a new memorial celebration and to do it often so that you can be free from sin and death. You know, the new meal is for the new people of God. And uh, because Jesus is our Passover lamb, he is far superior to the lamb that was slain back in Egypt and the blood that was shed of that lamb, we have the very Son of God who has given us this meal and comes to us through the bread and through the wine offering us that promise, the promise of forgiveness of sins. And you know, it's so important to know this. When you go and when you receive the, the bread and the wine, you are receiving so much more than just a little bread and wine snack. Uh, because when you, through faith, go up and receive Jesus in the sacrament, you are receiving the very Son of God. And the reason that we know that is because He promised to come through the bread and the wine to bring us forgiveness of sins. So this is not just any old meal that God has given to the new people of God. Uh, this is a spiritual meal, a spiritual meal that strengthens us spiritually for the journey. What qualifies you for that meal is to come in faith and also to come hungry. Come hungry knowing that you're a sinner and that you need him, that you need his forgiveness. And so uh, that's the gift of the Lord's Supper. And, uh, and I hope that when you go to church and you receive uh, the bread and the wine and you hear uh, the promises of, of the Scripture, this is my body, he says. This is my body, which is given for you. 
do this for the remembrance of me. And then the cup, where he says, this is my blood that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. When you do that, I hope that you will, that you will know and receive the truth that comes through his promises that Jesus loves you, that he gave his body as, a, as to pay the penalty for your sin, and that he shed his blood poured out for you on a cross outside of Jerusalem so that your sin might be forgiven. Uh, again, this is no ordinary meal. It's a special meal, and it's a gift that's given to you. And do it as often as you can and know that he, uh, he loves you, he forgives you, and he strengthens you to be his child as he comes through the bread and the wine to you. I hope that you'll tune in again next week when we get a, uh, some more scripture about problems that can come up in congregations regarding the Lord's Supper. And, uh, and we'll talk about how to receive the Lord's Supper in a way that strengthens you and benefits you the most. And until then, God bless you. And I hope that you'll go to church and be blessed through the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Jesus. Thank you. If you have a prayer request or questions about any of the material covered in today's lesson, or would like to support the program with a contribution, contact us by email at simplesecrets at goodnewsministries.org or by mail at P.O. Box 3315, Midland, Texas 79702. Until next time, thank you for sharing the simple secrets of the kingdom.